Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special crossover edition of MassInSports.com podcast from District 34. I'm Bobby Blanco alongside Byron Kerr. Hello, hello. And then from the Orioles side, the Yard Work podcast, we have co-host Brian Eller. That's right. We're crashing the party. I like, about time we did this joint podcast it's a here. special edition for the Beltway Series as we get ready for Game 2 between the Nats and the O's tonight at Camden Yards. Uh, boys, last night, uh, actually a good baseball game. I enjoyed watching that game. The, the O's come away with the win. Hold on for a late win. Obviously, Zach Britton, one of the best closers in the game, locks it down in the ninth. But hey, I had a good time. It's it's a fun atmosphere. Yeah, I think I think fans really look forward to this, and even the players were saying after the game. I know um, reliever Darren O'Day. He was saying it, it's great to to see these two teams play against each other, and if it brings fans to the ballpark there's just an electric atmosphere which buckshaw walter said hey the team really fed off of and um especially i love when they're, they're close games like you said nobody likes to see a blowout either way in terms of the competitive atmosphere but it was really back and forth all night nats taking the lead orioles tying it up i think on two occasions and then end up taking that lead but the nats made it a one-run game and, and it was uh close all the way to the end so it was definitely exciting to to see so of course the orioles enjoy it they've won 15 of the last 21 against the nationals and usually at camden yards uh, the orioles have played pretty well against the Nats and and the, you know that yes the crowd was outstanding uh, and uh, you know first four innings uh, was pretty good kind of slowed down after that for a little while but then the eighth inning was pretty dramatic when the Nationals tried to uh, tie it up they had men on second and third and had a couple of chances with Ryan Zimmerman what a great matchup against Brad Brock uh, at the end there mm-hmm. that was um, a big at bat and uh, that was the, that was the last great chance really because uh, because Brian said you know Britain and Bobby said Britain's so good. And ninth inning was very difficult. But the eighth inning, man, they had some chances. And you know, something I wrote in MassSports.com today is they've had a lot of risky chances this year. They've left a lot of men on base. It seems the Nationals do a good job of getting uh, a good opportunity started. They had a couple of times where they had no outs and a double to begin uh, innings last night and just could not uh, get the big inning they needed um, uh, to beat the Orioles. But A.J. Cole, I thought he did a great job. I mean, that was really surprising for, for me to see him do that well here at Camden Yards. Well, of course, we couldn't start the series without some news. Obviously, Steven Strasburg was supposed to start last night against Dylan Bundy. The marquee matchup of each respective franchise's like, pitching prodigy, and then Strasburg lands up on the DL. The Nats bring up A.J. Cole, and uh, he held his own, like you said, Brian. I mean, he... Um, what, he ended up going six or seven, seven. seven innings, uh, struck out a career-high eight. Uh, but Dylan Bundy on the other side, he looks solid, and that's what the O's need right now to the stretch. It was a big sp- – I think if you were to pull, you know, on the surface when you hear the news that Strasburg's going on the disabled list, they're bringing up Cole to start, I think most – baseball fans and say oh that's good news for for their team you know not having to face Strasburg who up until the month of August was putting together I mean one of the leading Cy Young candidates he's taken a step back over these last few starts but still still a tremendous starter arguably up there with Max Scherzer at the top of that Nats rotation but oddly enough or the Orioles have struggled against unfamiliar pitching this year you know when they, they seems to be this recipe where some not a no-name guy but a guy who's unfamiliar to the Orioles comes and makes a spot start or a, a first start um, in his career or, or something in that effect and the Orioles struggle against them you know they um you know so it was kind of say okay man it's nice to not have to face Steven Strasburg but uh Cole certainly was um was not going to go out there and uh you know not give the Orioles trouble which he yeah like you said he held his own and I think Bundy kind of matched some step for step yeah. there and it's it's still a transition period for Bundy into the starter role from the bullpen I know a lot of fans were there was big debate over 
what to do with him in terms of do you keep him in the bullpen where he was excelling. Mm-hmm. They were kind of backed into a corner and had to put him in the starting rotation. But he's got seven wins on the year and ERA around uh, 3.3. So all results are good so far. But Cole, I thought, was, did, definitely uh, stepped up to in that spotlight, especially on short notice. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, they were uh, disappointed with what happened to Cole last year in that only start in Atlanta. Uh, where he gave up nine runs and, and four were earned and, and only lasted two innings. So um, he's worked really, really hard. I talked to Paul Manhard yesterday, the pitching coordinator for the Nationals, and he said that uh, the uh, the fastball commands getting better. His quote was, "It's fairly, it's getting better fairly well on the fastball, and that his breaking pitches are getting a little bit more refined, which is something that he was able to do." And and uh, sure, he doesn't want to give up four runs, but the fact that after he gave up that monster trombo homer. He was able to get three outs. He settled down, a couple of strikeouts there. I thought that was big for him, uh, considering uh, you know they had hoped that A.J. Cole could be one of those front-line starters, and maybe he still does because he does have uh, mid, mid-90s mid uh, fastball command, and that could be something that could really help them here down the stretch because back to your Steven Strasburg thing, you know the Nationals have such a big lead in the NL East that uh, they can afford to throw in the Reynaldo Lopez's the uh, A.J. Coles, even the Lucas Giolitos, maybe even a Matt Latos here yeah. in the last month and a half to kind of uh, you know use this disabled list stint as a little rest time uh, for Strasburg because uh, it's going to be critical for Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg to be on top of their games if they're going to be able to beat a team like the Giants or the Dodgers or the Cubs uh, when the postseason starts. So uh, that's the strength of this team is the national starting pitching. And when they're good, they're really good. But if they're not healthy and they're, and they're tired at the end of the year and on their arms are heavy, that could spell disaster for the Nats. I think it was smart to put Strasburg on the DL. We, we, we saw reports coming out that it's, it's precautionary. It's mostly just resting. The, you know, obviously, he's a Tommy John guy, and every time you hear an elbow with a pitcher, you kind of like panic. Um, he even said it himself. He yeah. called himself a Tommy John guy. So, I mean, he, he understands it. It was one of the more refreshing uh, interviews with him for the game yesterday because it was almost like the you know that moment where he could just take the pressure off a little bit and um, you know take a little time to get get back his strength he says you know his range of motion wasn't completely there yeah. people are worried because it's elbow soreness and certainly I, I, I'm worried too because it's a TJ anytime you hear that from a TJ uh, recipient or recovery but um, man he seemed pretty positive and, and and Bobby and Brian he hasn't been that positive in post games the last three weeks when things when he was giving up 17 runs in 11 innings, so that that made me a little more optimistic that it's not a major situation here that he could have pitched last night if he had to if it was the game seven of a of a playoff series and that you know in a 162 game seri- uh, year this is this is important for him maybe to take a deep breath here. But I do feel like it does bring up an interesting dilemma where at least from a division standpoint the Nationals are pretty comfortably in the driver's seat you know barring a huge collapse uh, they they should you know take the division title but so a lot of a lot of people a lot of fans out there are saying all right start to get gear up for the postseason get ready get your rotation order rest guys then you'd be rested but at the same time there's still a lot to fight for in the regular season i'm not quite sure if they're going to catch the cubs for best overall record in the national league as they have an outside shot for it right. but you certainly want to have that home field advantage in the division series against the supposed NL West champs, whether that be the Giants or the Dodgers. So it is kind of that balance between, yeah, making sure your guys are tooled up for the playoffs, which is an, an almost certainty, I'd say, um, but also making sure that, hey, you, you, you keep that second seed overall in the National League so that you can – because that one game of extra at home might be the difference between, you know, on the first-round exit or 
challenging the, the you know supposed Cubs or whomever for shot to the World Series. I completely so. agree with you. And in a short series, having to travel twenty five hundred miles, yeah, it's a lot each game. And uh, you know that's why winning the the season series against the Giants is important. Yep, because uh, a tiebreaker. If they actually do somehow finish with the exact same record, then you know for two and three, then the Nationals would get that. And that's the scenario that it kind of plays out. That it looks to me like will happen is that it you know if the season the old season would end today thing, mm-hmm. it would be Giants and and Nationals in that rematch from 2014 and. You know, I really like the Nationals' chances this time around. If that comes to fruition, I don't know about facing the Cubs, but you know, I think you know it's been my it's been the ultimate goal that I've been kind of pushing for the last five years is don't worry about talking about a World Series or a ring or a parade or anything like that. Just win a playoff series. Just win a playoff series. Yeah, but why do you say that? Why the why the confidence this time if they go against the Giants again compared to fourteen? I just think that uh, it's more because the Giants aren't aren't what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And um, but the problem is is the Giants have the experience of winning yeah, the World do. Series, yeah. and they have a manager that's been there. And I actually think that their team is not as strong as their World Series teams. But because they have Bruce Bochy and they have Hunter Pence and they have Buster Posey, they have guys of Madison Bumgarner that yeah. have been there and done that. You know. From a from a subconscious uh, intellectual kind of side, they're kind of carrying and bringing this team up to a level of hey, here's how the Giants play baseball, and if you can't handle it, then get off the bus. But but um, you know they're kind of holding it all together because of all that great experience they've had, and that's that's the over the hump that the Nationals are searching for is to get to that point where this legacy of this team is defined by beating the Giants in a postseason series, and then. The Bryce Harpers of the world and uh, the Steven Strasburg, some of the guys that are under thirty, um, can build on that this, experience. On that experience, yeah. because you know they cannot. They're not going to have a Jason Worth. They're not going to have a Ryan Zimmerman. Even Daniel Murphy's thirty-one as well. They're not going to have these guys forever. So they need to. They need to. You know, have these younger guys kind of win a meaningful series for them to kind of put a stamp on the organization and say that they are a legit organization and not just uh, a team that just races out to a big lead like in a horse race in the Kentucky Derby and just you know coast to the finish line while all the other horses win the next two races. So as it stands right now, the Nats are six games behind the Cubs in the league and own or four games ahead of the Dodgers and five games ahead of the Giants. And the Dodgers and Giants start a critical series in L.A. tonight. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they go on. Like you said, I mean, the Nats pretty much have this – I don't want to say they have locked up because I hate saying that. I hate jinxing it, but they do. It's, it's but there's something yeah. still to fight for because, you know, the Dodgers and the Giants are closing the gap, and there's still a gap to be closed between the Cubs. I mean, if you – we saw the Cubs come out of the gate in the second half, and they weren't playing that well. So it's, it's possible that they can get up there and get closer and make this thing interesting. And then you look on the flip side of this – talking about the series in Baltimore, and then the Orioles, every game is counting now because they are, what, in third place still? Third place still. I, I almost feel like, in, at the risk of hyperbole here, th- this team's been in a playoff-type atmosphere since about May. I mean, they, they, they've, they between themselves and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, there's been this little jostling between the top of the division. New Orleans actually had been first place longer than either of those teams, yeah. I think, but but certainly not by a wide stretch. I think their biggest lead in the division was five, five. and a half games, yep. uh, which seems like a long time ago in terms of that. But I feel like every night, especially with – 
the the uncertainty in the starting rotation, and it it's funny to me as we talk about the Battle of the Beltways and the Orioles versus Nationals. They're they're separated by what, forty minutes down down the Parkway, but they seem to be the exact opposite in terms of blueprints. In terms yeah. of the Nats have you know that great starting pitching depth, and um, you know their their hitting can be uh, is kind of where their 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 weaker side. And again, the bullpen talked about the bullpen struggles too. But and the Orioles, meanwhile, they have a great bullpen. They're known for their power stretches, even though that can they can be very hot or cold. It's been the starting rotation that outside of of Chris Tillman um, you know has been largely inconsistent and even now Tillman's gone through a couple uh, rough starts so it yeah I feel like the Orioles have been battling because if you if you take a week off now no manager's ever going to say they're taking a week off or things like that but um, boy you could find yourself out of it pretty quick and I think I think the Orioles certainly have a shot. I mean, they're in the playoffs today if the season ended. They, like you said, the old, uh, if the season ended game, yeah, they'd be a wild card. I think a road team. Um, I think Toronto and Boston are tied for the top of the division right now. But the Orioles have, I think, maybe two series left against the Red Sox, and they end the season a critical three-game set in Toronto, which personally, whatever happens over the next month or so, I think that's where the AL East could be come down to. Yeah. I, I really think that. I mean, I don't know what Boston's going to do, but I, I foresee if I were to just, you know, take take a, a guess there that Toronto Baltimore will be somewhere within two one and a half games of each other, and mathematically, it's going to come down to that that series in Toronto, which is exciting, but also a little scary because hey, Toronto sells that they're the best fans in terms of right. attendance. Um, it's 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 tough to play there. Although Adam Jones said he he loves to play there, he loves the atmosphere, and um, I feel like. If if any team can kind of sadistically thrive off of opponents, you know, giving them a lot of noise and pressure, uh, it's this Orioles team. So we'll see if it comes down to that series in Toronto. But um, it's all it's all pitching. I mean, as always, I feel like it's the same old story. But if the starting pitching can go out and if they can give the team and the offense in a position to win and give a lead to that bullpen. Um, most times or not they're going to come out with the win and that's 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 all you can ask but even even then like i always say with this with this o's lineup they're never out of it we saw it in san francisco that last game of that series this they're never out of it so yes you would like to get at least a solid six innings from your starter but i mean with this offense no lead is safe because they can mash and quickly they can score runs in a in a hurry and so i mean i if i'm an Orioles fan Yes, it's a close race, and yes, the starting pitching is, sub- is suspect, but I, w- I would always say, you know, we, all- we have a shot every night because of our offense. It's that good. And um, But back to this series, I had an interesting thought where you guys were talking. The timing of this series is interesting for both teams because um, the Nats are in our comfortable league. We've established that. And the O's are kind of fighting for their playoff lives. And Buck Schalter was uh, said yesterday, like, you know, this is a very poor timing to have an interleague series for us because – here at Camden Yards, they get an extra batter, and that's a good team over there, the Nationals. And then when we go to D.C., we lose a batter. So, I mean, and then they also have to play uh, Arizona later this year. I mean, Arizona's not as good as the Nationals, but still, it's a late interleague series. And he's like, this is kind of a cru- critical time for us. And, um, you know, we have to play these interleague games. I wish they were earlier in the season and get it over with. Yeah, the fans enjoy these games. But, um, you know, for the O's, they're fighting for their lives. And now they have to play a really good team. And... You could say the Nats get the advantage when it terms when it comes to the DH or not DH. Went for this whole it's series. The Arizona Diamondbacks, though. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It's it's it's. But it is kind of weird to DH. Uh, you know, you'd think that'd be an advantage for the Nationals for Jason Worth to be able to DH and not have to put him in the in the field. But then Ben Revere had a really bad relay last yeah. night from right. left field. So and even Harper made some 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 misplays yeah. in right field. A little uncharacteristic of him. But. Absolutely. But um, oh, that's a good that's a great point by Buck and and. Uh, I've always wondered that. You know, it always seems like it's a it's an advantage, especially in a National League park because 
you know, not only do the did the Orioles lose uh, one one ninth of, of their offense, but it's a DH, and they have to put a pitcher in who probably hasn't swung a bat either since college or the yeah, minor league. So be Miley um, and Tillman, yeah. So right. that's just their uh, best hitter is Gallardo, I think. Yeah, yeah. not saying <laughs> take that for what it's worth, but I think their best hitter is uh, is Gallardo. But yeah, man, losing that is is not never good. So it's a critical series for both these teams. I want to get into the rivalry and whether. Mark and I kind of hinted it last week when I talked to Mark Zuckerman um, while Byron was in Denver about this rivalry. Obviously, we've all been around it growing up around here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to get your because Byron, I haven't talked to you yet about it. I mm-hmm. want to get your take on um, what do you guys see? What do you see? How do you feel about when these two teams play? Covering this team for a long time, been around the Orioles for a long time. Um, you know, what's kind of the atmosphere that you feel like when, you, when the fans come out to these games? I mean, I think it's great. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I don't. You guys can tell me uh, normally at Camden Yards if they always wear the orange, but it just seems like there was a ton of orange representing last night at Camden Yards to try to make sure that the red, you know, didn't show up if, yeah. if uh, some Nats fans were here. And you know, uh, I grew up uh, in this area. I grew up in Virginia, and back, uh, you know, in college and stuff. When we when we arrived here in high school, there was no other team but the Baltimore Orioles. I had a Baltimore Orioles cap. I had a, a you know jersey yep. shirt everything um i used to go to memorial stadium tom davis would get me tickets every once in a while i mean th- th- this goes back when i worked at mutual radio so uh I, w- I was at the last game at memorial stadium i was at cal ripkins 21 31 i was at the alcs in 97 or 98 when todd zeal made that mistake at third base so uh you know i was a fan of the orioles i mean there was no other game in town now when uh when the nationals arrived it, it was nice to be able you know I didn't have to drive. Not that I didn't, I didn't want to, but I didn't have to drive an hour or whatever to get to Baltimore. So it was cool that uh, baseball had come back to D.C. And, uh, I mean, I think you see that in a lot of the fans. I bet you if you went up to the 40,000 fans at, at a Nationals game when they're not playing the Orioles and asked them how many of them followed the Orioles or are still fans of the Orioles uh, before 2005, I'm sure you'd get a high percentage of, of people that, mm-hmm. that – uh, you know, and you know, like uh, talk radio was saying yesterday, they're they're in different uh, leagues. So you know, you can theoretically root for each team yeah, until and maybe they face each other in a Beltway right. series that that is for the for the postseason crown. For so um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of textures to it, and 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 um, you know, I think it's I think it's a, a great rivalry. Uh, because uh, you know the other thing that you hear a lot about is because both teams are good. Yeah, right. And, that and I think that difference. helps too. Of yeah. One team, but but I went back and did the stats uh, this morning, and you know, 2011 was the last year where they they split the series, and back then they played six, and it was three and three. The since then, only ever won one season series. Yeah. So since then, six Nationals the have minute. six wins out of 21 games against the Orioles. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of. of, of now I can ask Brian and I can ask you that. Do the Orioles? I mean, sometimes it seems to me like the Orioles get up for these games. Like they really want to prove that they are as good as or better than the Nationals. And you know, uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not putting words in the mouths of the Nationals. I, you know, it, this is at the end of a long road trip. You know, their their bullpen is down. I mean, you know, it just 
you know, I'm not making excuses, but it just doesn't seem like they're at 110 percent right now. Yeah. As they face the O's, I and mean, just for the O's, I mean, like Brian said, they're fighting for their playoff lives. Yeah. It does seem like that. The Orioles usually they they get amped up for this rivalry, and it, it's always tough when you have a rivalry that has two teams in different leagues, you know, American League, National League, um, just because they don't they don't they won't face each other in playoffs unless it's for the World Series, you know. But and yeah, as far as you know, if you grew up here, you might have some vested interest in you know not really liking the Nationals because they took some fans away from the Orioles or not really liking the Orioles because if you're the Nationals you're still the the um, you haven't been around as long so you're kind of that little brother syndrome yeah. a little bit which is fair um, but you know most of the players on the Orioles they, they're not from here you know they didn't they right. may, probably didn't grow up Oriole fans so it is I'm curious to see what that uh, you know why that extra drive comes in there and I think if you walked in the clubhouse and asked players about that, they would just tell you it's another game. It's the next day, you know, we're playing tough, which is, is certainly true. The they want to win. Right. Um, I think. That's I think totally the one. Th- I think this rivalry is really interesting, but I think the one thing that it that it needs, and I I, I know either you know Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter probably would shudder to, to, to think about this, but it, it needs some controversy. It, whether that's whether that's you know meeting in a World Series, whether that's um, you know, uh, in the, in the uh, you know <laughs> hopefully it doesn't come to that. You know, hopefully well, no, no bench killing, bro. But Pat Bond last year against Machado, that right. was close. That was as close as it got. Or even yeah. something as interesting as in the off season, somebody leaving a big prize, leaving one of those ball clubs and going to the other one. Right. You know, just yeah. just something. It, it can be as mild as that, where there's just that little added extra something that that makes that connection, other than the distance. Right now, the rivalry has one thing going for it: it's the location. They're forty. Five minutes away right. from each other, but that's really it. Well, I mean, they're, well, they're good the other point you know, is because and, they're in different leagues. If they had, if they let's say they were both in the National League, or they were both in the American League, and they had faced each other like the Yankees and Orioles face each other, season, yeah. or the Red Sox and yeah. Orioles face each other in a playoff series, that's then true. you'd have a little more texture. And I, and I think that's that's part of the reason why it's not built up because right. the Nationals have only been here since two thousand five. I mean, growing up. The, the Subway Series Yankees and Mets in 2000 was great. Right. And, it, they, I mean, the ballparks are, you know, a couple minutes from each other. And you talk about when you go other sports, Duke, North Carolina. Again, they were in the same league. But, um, but yeah, yeah, those it, guys it, are sitting at the bars talking to each other it, the other exactly. 350 days of the year going, man, I wish we could play you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it will. I think the rivalry will get even better as long as both teams continue their success. Um, and if there's a little controversy to – Nudge along, that'd be okay too, because I think that's kind of what it needs. Yeah, it's, you know? con- it's controversy. I think that that, and then I also think both of your points. The Nats need to win. The Nats need to win some of these games or, or series, because like any rivalry, I remember growing up a Maryland fan, and for the longest time we hated Duke, but Duke didn't really care about us because they would always beat us in basketball. Yep. And so like, and the Nats have only won one series, and that was all the way back in 07, the second time they played. So like, who remembers that? And they weren't that good back then. Neither team was, and now that they're good. The Nats can't seem to find a way to win a season series. And until that happens, maybe even consistently, then Baltimore's like, okay, this team's good. They always beat us. Let's get at them. Um, but until then, I think it's kind of maybe like a little brother, big brother complex. But that's just between the fan bases because the, the players, again, I think they they sense the um, the atmosphere sure. in the ballpark for sure. sure. Especially maybe more so at Nats Park because a lot of those fans show up at Nats Park and you hear that, oh, during the right. national anthem. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Because they never hear that normally. Um and so I think the players get get the sense of the atmosphere, but to them it's probably just another game for now because there's no um, there's no it's kind of lopsided in the wins. There's no controversy, and they haven't met in the playoffs yet. So it's kind of all a combination of the thing. But as a fan, I love this series. I think it's so fascinating um, because there's no really other place in all of sport where. 
there was a team here for a long time, and then they left, and then this team came and stayed for a long time, and then there were decades passed, and then a team came back to DC, and then they left, and then they came back. I mean, it's just so interesting. This this whole fan base within the DMV has been flip flopped for so many years, and it's a generational thing now, right? Because there's no true like all the quote unquote true Nationals fans are 10 and 13 years old, so like they're all like little kids. They're not grown up yet because everyone who grew up my age are probably either O's fans or O's fans turned into Nats fans. Right. So there's no true Nationals generation yet, which I think is fascinating. And with the exception of, of the Orioles advancing one playoff series further in 2014, yeah. their playoff fates have been identical. 2012, they both make the playoffs. They make it to the division mm-hmm. series. They, mm-hmm. they bow out. 2013, no playoffs. 2014, they both win their divisions. Um, again, and now we're on track this year. 2015, no playoffs, and they're on track this year to both make the playoffs again. It's so, it's so I don't know whether they get together and say, "All right, guys, it's an even year. Yeah. Let's do it." <laughs> we'll let the Giants win the World Series, but we're going to make the playoffs. But, um, but it is interesting how they kind of go along. I think Bobby made a great point about uh, you know how intriguing a series could be because you know for me. Uh, Camden Yards is familiar to me. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like when you go to Philadelphia or Miami or Cincinnati or Denver, places where yeah, you are the opposing team. Yeah, you are the foreign team in there, and uh, there's very few Nationals fans there. Or and there and I I'm, I don't want to throw anybody in the bus, but there's a lot. There, I've seen a lot more Nats fans, but not like you would see if you come to Baltimore. And you know, I know the park. I, I you know I covered uh, the Orioles for many years as well when I when I got into media. So. Um, you know, I think it's like you said, the little brother, big brother thing. You know, you want to beat your little brother, or you want to beat your big brother, or you, you want to beat your sibling yeah. or whatever right. at, at something. And uh, you know, like you said, the players aren't from here, uh, and I laugh at that because uh, you know, unfortunately, the, you, know, you know, since I've been working with the Nationals, they've had what Dave, you know Frank Robinson, Davey Johnson. Uh, you had connections there with the Orioles, so that mm-hmm. was an easy story to write. But once you got to Matt Williams or uh, you know uh, Dusty or something like that, you know, they don't have the quite you know. What's it feel like? Because Matt's not from here. Dusty's not from here. They maybe don't feel the tension that there is between Washington and Baltimore. Whether it's the Ravens, the Redskins, whether it's you know, you know Baltimore fans have to follow the Capitals because there's no NHL team or NBA team, and yep. they just be the Baltimore Bullets. So um, you know, it's just it's part of the fabric, I think, of this area. And because they are so familiar with each other, I mean, the Nationals Park is is, is newer, but for me, you know. Uh, Camden Yards is the away uh, park for the Nationals, but I know it yeah. pretty well. And a lot of Nationals fans have come here many times since 1992 to watch games. It was super interesting yesterday, last night, <clears throat> like from our window here in the warehouse at Camden mm-hmm. Yards, you could look down onto the flat court in right field, and we would see like groups of, you know, again, kids, probably around 18, 20, you know, anywhere, like late teenagers early 20 and like half of them will be in like Bryce Harper jerseys half of them will be in Manny Machado jerseys and they're all hanging out drinking beers taking pictures and you would never see that when like the Red Sox are yeah, in town or the Yankees beers, are in Bobby. well yeah but you know what I mean I'm kidding <laughs> you didn't that is cool you didn't yeah no, no. so it's like it's a whole different thing I where, saw like, that too this, the friendships saw, yeah. are like these kids really grew up, cool. they grew up together but like now that the Nats came in 05 when they were you know 10 or whatever then they split but they're you know that would never happen when the Yankees are in town or the Red Sox or when the Mets <laughs> are in Nats Park right. or the Phillies. I mean, and it's just a very interesting dynamic between this whole fan base. And I mean, I love going back and forth, but then also you get a lot of people who get really upset either one way or the other, like trying to defend Baltimore, or trying to defend the Nationals. Like you can't be both fan of both teams. Um, I think you very you can be a fan, especially sure. for kids like my age. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of hoping that one team 
either Orioles or Nationals has has some sort of dramatic victory in this in this. Uh, I like to see all the games close, but a nice walk off win by somebody, whether that's Harper for the Nationals, Machado for the Orioles, that, just anything to kind of get that going a little bit. That uh, that little, yeah. little Spitfire there, and maybe a little like little show off after you kind of walk a little bat flip. It's okay, not 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 uh, you know, no, don't need to do that. But oh, either if way, it does, I mean, that's yeah. okay. Because yeah. that that'll resonate. Well, the Orioles in the had a walk off here last year, right? They did. Wasn't I believe mm-hmm. so. Jonathan Scope yeah. or. And then Ronnie Billiard had one against the Orioles uh, in an extra inning game back in Nats Park a few years ago. Yeah. But I, you know, to your point, it'd be, be really cool if it was sure. um, in this year. Yeah. yeah. And and then you look at the teams. There's, there's star power on both teams. You got so many young stars: Harper, Machado. Uh, you got Ranting Rendon's coming out. Jonathan Scope. I mean, so many young players who are like now becoming the face of baseball, and they're right here in our area, which I think is very cool too. That help, kind of helps add to the rivalry because the MLB Network picked up both games here at Camden Yards. That's pretty, especially with the Dodgers and the Giants playing tonight. They picked our game. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. And I think if you if you looked at this series. Uh, you know, a week ago or a couple weeks ago, at least on paper, that the most intriguing pitching matchup would probably be, you know, Scherzer versus Tillman. I think they go on the finale in Washington oh, yeah, on Thursday. Thursday. But um, I'm I'm intrigued, at least as we tape this, before going into tonight's matchup with Lopez for the Nationals and Gosman for the Orioles. I mean, these are two guys who are on the younger side. Um, they're both have tremendously high ceilings. Gosman's record isn't anything to, to boast about, but that's certainly not his fault. I mean, he's uh, he has a very low run support. And he's good at Camden um, Yards. And he's good at Camden Yards. And, and Lopez is coming off of, well, he had nine strikeouts in his last I mean, 11. I think 11 strikeouts, something like that. Finally went something seven that in. So, yeah. so the, I tell you, of the four games here with the with the pitching matchups i don't know about you byron i'm looking forward to tonight's matchup just yeah, just because be of the fun. just it, it could be so electric now it could the wheels could fall off the card for either pitcher instantly but that's okay um but i, I think that tonight's matchup is really going to be turn out to be the best of the four if, if it will I, be maybe fun so bold. Yeah, it'll be fun for me to see if lopez can if his fastball plays against a, a home run hitting team like the orioles and, and see you know see what what kind of work he can do with with that, so that'll be fun to watch. And how he reacts to this crowd. This crowd's gonna be different than a Turner Field crowd that he faced last time. <laughs> that is for sure. So yeah. I mean, when he hears that oh, and you know he takes the mound and he steps in, and you see Adam Jones staring you down. That that'll be interesting to see how he handles. AJ Cole did a good time, get a did a good job last night. So we'll see how Ronaldo Lopez. It'll be a good challenge, and I don't think he'll back down. I think uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. So. Well, boys, this was fun. I really enjoyed this. This is uh, good stuff. I mean, hopefully we should do this more often. Get uh, a new, new perspective. World Series preview we'll, at we'll some point, you know. We can do off-season stuff. Uh, maybe at the winter meetings. Um, guys, so for the Yard Work, Yard Work Podcast, excuse me, this is Brian Eller. Um hey Steve Molesky joins you. You can find him on the Orioles side at MassInSports.com um, for all the Orioles news. And then, you obviously, you can catch me and Byron on District 34 next week. So for Brian Eller and Byron Kerr, I'm Bobby Blanco. Thanks for joining us.